Hey, everybody. We're in the midst of a few months of focusing on movement skills for climbers. But honestly, I'm not happy with just putting more info out there. So we're making an effort to not only collect the dots, but to connect the dots. And the main place I'm doing that is in our monthly newsletter, The Current. Once a month in your inbox, you'll get not a sales email, but my recent light bulb moments or interrogations of how we've always done things and what we could maybe be doing better. You'll also get the dots connected for you between all of the podcast episodes, blog posts, YouTube videos, and more so that together we can learn, grow, and excel. The link is right there in your show notes. Thanks for the support. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 time, What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 57 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I am back in Lander for a a very brief period. Uh, It's been crazy busy here. Our tour went well. Uh, Nate and I toured around Missouri, and then we went to Asana in Idaho, and that was great. Uh, We'll be hitting the road again very soon, though. I will be working with a youth team in Tampa. Then I've got 24 Hours of Horseshoe Hell, which I am see, Rocktoberfest, which I am see. Nate and I will be doing some coaching sessions in the red. And then uh, October 27th through 29th, I'll be in Salt Lake City uh, speaking and coaching at the Climb Strong Performance Climbing Coach Seminar. And that's with Steve Bechtel, Neely Quinn, Tyler Nelson, Charlie Manganello. So, If you guys want to sign up for that, that's going to be in Salt Lake. Again, October 27th through the 29th. You can do that at climbstrong.com. Hopefully I see you guys there. And what may be our last event of the year will be in Bozeman, Montana at Spire from November 14th to 17th. And we'll be bringing a bunch of workshops through to Spire, um, which I'm really looking forward to. We've got a a great community in Bozeman, so I'm really excited about that. And we appreciate all the support that we've gotten from everyone on the road thus far. You know, it means a lot to us to have this type of community who just steps up over and over again. It's it's really humbling. And while we're on the road, we've had really great success with our new Applied Body Tension Workshop. Um, the accompanying ebook has been selling like crazy. And if you don't know anything about it yet, basically we've taken body tension, which we believe one of the core components of climbing well and broken it down into a series of progressions that can be practiced while you climb and it can be dropped into any climbing session or training program and body tension is way more than just front levers and planks you know you can have the strongest core on earth but if you can't apply it while you climb just doesn't mean a damn thing so apply body tension powercompanyclimbing.com $20 you can get the ebook now. And if we come to your town, come out and take a workshop. I think it's our best yet. And speaking of books, uh, the response to our new process journal has been far more than we ever expected. It's been a really pleasant surprise. Uh, we sold out of our first run halfway through our second. 
Uh, they're being carried by a few shops and gyms around the country. And we've been adopted by several climbing teams, which we're really excited about. And I won't go into into depth here what it's all about, but you can check it out in our shop at powercompanyclimbing.com. And you'll be hearing more about it soon on here. We're going to talk about practice and the process journal and how and why to use it in an episode soon. And actually just mailed a journal to France, headed to today's guest, Hazel Finley. Uh, You know, I interviewed Tommy Caldwell the day before I sat down with Hazel, but I was far, far more nervous about talking to her. For some reason, she was a little bit intimidating to me. I don't get intimidated easily. Um, But as she would say, that was just rubbish because she's one of the sweetest, easy-to-talk-to people that I've had the pleasure to sit down with. And we had a really great conversation And, um, you know, I'm going to stop talking now and let you guys hear the conversation. But you may want to stick around to the very end. We've got a little surprise. Just saying. You would never train your fingers and then expect your fingers to be strong for years without continuing up your fingerboarding. Equally, you can train your mind. But if you don't continue that practice, you'll get weak again. Yeah, I think you'll love it up there. Yeah, I'm just like to be in there, you know. Like I'm not I'm not super bothered about like if we free it awesome, but if we don't then it's just like pff, Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. I assume you've been warned about the mosquitoes. Yeah. I mean, okay. that's like I would rather like not free the root and <laughs> have no mosquitoes than <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I can guarantee you won't have no mosquitoes. So. Yeah, I just like hope that, you know, maybe they're in some sort of like altitude in the hiking and then when we get to the camp, it's too cold for them or something. Like that would be awesome. Uh, maybe. We'll, we'll hope for the best there. Yeah, yeah. But. If not, I guess it's just some sort of suffering that probably is valuable to some extent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it will be. It always is. Yeah. So what I want to talk to you about is I've, I've read a bunch of your articles and I've followed what you've done and and I think it's great that someone of your caliber is leaning into this this mental engagement sort of space mm-hmm. um, because I think a lot of people especially as they become better climbers tend to forget all about it yeah and I think that's one of the basic building blocks of good performance in mm-hmm. any sport mm-hmm. is just learning how to not necessarily control your mind better, but to use it better. Mm-hmm. And one of your, one of the first big articles you wrote on the Black Diamond site was "Let the Body Climb." That was mm-hmm. the yeah, you know, the basic gist of it. And I think that's a really powerful, simple message that most people can still learn from, no mm-hmm. matter how strong they are, because we tend to get. Our brains tend to get involved too much. Yeah. Um, so can we talk a little bit about that? Mm-hmm, yeah. About let the body climb and how that came about? Yeah. So there's this really cool book called, um, oh God, am I going to forget now? Yeah. Um, something about tennis. Does that not? No, no, confusing two different things now. 
but in a game of tennis. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're at all interested in the psychology of sport, <laughs> this is the book to read. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. And basically, it's a concept from that. Um, I, I forget the terminology he uses now, but it's the same idea. It's just that, you know, if you're a professional tennis player, kids learn so fast because they don't have that inner critic. They right. don't judge everything they do. Right. So, you know, every, he was a, he's a tennis coach, this guy. Mm -hmm. He used to be a professional tennis player. And he would watch people play tennis and he could see that, he people would go for a shot or whatever and they would immediately criticize themselves say they did it wrong put the, their attention on the wrong things and they would be their attention would be all in their cognition right you know up up here in the mind yep. instead of feeling what the racket feels like in the hands yeah. judging where the ball is in space mm -hmm. and all of that stuff's intuitive it doesn't require your conscious mind to say do this do that Right. And the same thing happens in climbing. I mean, we've all been there where you're just like, Hazel, okay, get this with your right hand. No, you've done it wrong. You know, just that constant kind of inner critic. Whereas really your body knows intuitively what to do. Yeah. Your body knows how to climb. But the problem is, is we don't let our bodies climb. Sure. We don't allow them to just do what they know how to do without judgment and without direction. So that's kind of what that article is about. Yeah, one of the one of the first things I tell fairly new climbers to do is to stop looking for footholds and just let your body go to where you mm -hmm. think you want their a foothold to be. Yeah. And quite often there is something to use right there. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Especially when you're a beginner climber. Yeah. And I think it's really important to do that. Do you think there's something do you think there's a time like during practice, during trying to get better at climbing where it is important to think a little bit about the mistakes that you're making mm -hmm. because I think that's an important part of deep practice is that feedback yeah and and then in turn is let the body climb more of a while you're on the wall and performance thing yeah so I think basically it's like when you're climbing you should be climbing Mm -hmm. And that's when you can intuitively let your body climb. Yeah. But maybe once you've fallen off, there's no reason why you can't do a self-analysis and kind of work out what maybe would have been better. Or, uh, or you know, if you're red pointing a route, there's no doubt you're going to have to kind of um, apply some sort of analysis to work out what's the best sequence or whatever. Right. But the th what happens with that a lot of the time is it comes with a value or a judgment. Sure. Like a positive and negative painting of what's going on. Mm -hmm. So it would be like you've done it wrong. Or and with that it's like a loss of energy. You know, it's and so that kind of analysis is important and it's a necessity, but there's a way of doing it which helps you learn and there's a way of doing it that hinders learning. And I think a lot of athletes have a lot of these m mental patterns where they actually hinder their learning versus yeah. nourish it. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. Are there any tricks that you use? And I, tricks is, I don't like using that word, but, yeah. but it seems to be the one that always ends up coming out. Any, 
anything you implement to get yourself into that right space? Because I assume that sometimes it's still difficult for you as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're human, right? Yeah. Yeah, to be honest, it's that kind of non-judgmental space. I guess I don't really have so many tricks. It's more you kind of embrace a mindset mm-hmm. which takes a lot of practice. Right. Um, but it's something which I feel like I'm I'm on that path towards. And it's and this is what's really hard for professional climbers and for people high end climbers is kind of like a adopting a, a not so bothered kind of an attitude. Right, right, right. You know, it's like when you're climbing you try your absolute hardest, but always kind of remembering to stay um earthed I suppose you know like remain humble and remember that this is fun and remember that it's a light activity and to not put too much weight and too much pressure and and too much judgment on yourself and your ability because all of that stuff is it's just an energy suck really yeah um so I think just like trying to remain um grateful as well you know, like, I'm here at the crack today, I'm having fun, this is awesome, I'm so lucky to be here. Right. If you if you go to the crag with that kind of mentality, good things will come of your day. Even if you don't send your project, yep. you'll learn. But if you go to the crag, like, oh, fuck, I need to send my project, I'm climbing shit right now. You know, it's, you, you're lacking that gratitude to just sort of be there. And I think it's hard when you climb for 20 years and you're a professional climber to just ought to always have that. But if you switch your mindset to try to at least trying to to cultivate a good mental attitude towards climbing, then you're on that road and it's a good road. The problem is, is that too many people just stay with the physical realms of climbing. I need yep. to fingerboard. I need to get fitter. I need this. I need that. And they forget about this whole other side of the sport. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, yeah. I make my living writing those training programs. Yeah, um, okay. That's how it looks on the outside. But yeah. most of what I do, 90% of it is communication with the clients mm-hmm. about their mindset and yeah. how they're approaching their projects or whatever it is that they're working toward. Yeah. Um, and if you're, this is something we've been talking about a lot lately, that no matter how strong your fingers are, no matter how many pull-ups you can do, I don't care if you can hold a front lever for three and a half minutes, if if you don't have the right mindset when you get on a route, then you're just beating yourself before you even get off the ground. And, you know, no strength is going to overcome that. No. So, yeah, it's totally right. There's something that you... You have these this five or six, I guess, um, points that you make in this Let the Body Climb article that you wrote. And the first thing that you like to do is ask yourself why. Mm-hmm. And, and I think on the surface, we could very easily just say, why do we climb? And that's this big existential question that no one knows exactly how to mm-hmm. answer, you know? But I yeah. do think there's a lot of importance in asking yourself that question. Mm-hmm. So 
Let's talk a little bit about that because I think that's a good first place to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First off, when would you go to that question? At what point would you ask yourself why? I guess I wouldn't necessarily ask it in such general terms, mm-hmm. maybe. But I think what that question leads you to is where are your motivations? And I think that's what's important. And that's what you can ask yourself when you've got this big project going on, especially sure. with projecting, because it requires a huge um, commitment of time and energy. Right. Versus, you know, you don't necessarily need to say, okay, what are my um, motivations for just onsighting this route today? You know, you just go and climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, what are my motivations to do this goal that I've got? And I think as soon as you pick some a, a big goal like that, it's really important to, to look inwards and say, what are my motivations here? And are they sustainable? And do they match the level of commitment I'm putting in? And if it's if your motivations are very end-based, so, you know, it's, it's simply to achieve that thing, write it on your CV, tell your sponsors, put it on your Instagram post, tell your mates you've climbed AA, whatever it is. Right. What happens is your attention is is on that result. That's what you care about. That's what defines failure and success. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, there's, again, going back to this idea of you're hindering learning. So it's like if, you're, if your attention is, okay, I really want to do free rider in a day because if I have that goal, I'm going to get way fitter. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to have to be flowing way better on granite. Um, if I can achieve that, then there's all these other things that I can do afterwards. Um, in, during the process of that, my technique on granite's going to get better. My head game's going to get better. And right. it becomes a process instead of just an end. So right. that even if you don't achieve your goal, there's so much value in what's been done. Mm-hmm. And it will, you'll become a better climber. So it's, it's basically this idea of like mastery versus achievement. And I think that all of the athletes who kind of value mastery of the sport over just like end goal, end goal, end goal, generally they might not, <laughs> they might not technically achieve as much on paper, but they're the ones that keep climbing until they're 70 or whatever. And sure. they become like absolute <clears throat> dudes of the sport yep. and can climb on any different rock type and, and just love it. Yep. And I think that's super valuable. Yeah, and I think the, you know, like you just mentioned, that they may not achieve as much on paper. And I think that a lot of people really want that. They really want mm. to have a tick list. And and I've seen people push toward checking off those boxes and making that their main focus. And, and initially, that might work really well. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you're not learning that process along the way, if you're not learning to love that process mm-hmm. along the way, then then eventually that those check marks are going to slow down, you know, and, and those people who learn to love the process are going to keep plodding along and keep Mm -hmm. checking boxes, you know, long after you've burnt out or gotten injured or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, because your only focus is on, I need to send this new number. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I just talked to Tommy yesterday and he said the, 
exact same thing in almost the same words. All right, cool. That, that when you're 70, those are the guys who are still climbing that have yeah, learned to yeah. love the process. You know, so yeah. I think it's a, a hugely important thing that mm-hmm. that maybe in, not enough people are attaching themselves mm-hmm. to. Um, during that process, do you have little mini goals that you can sort of check those boxes? I mean, do you create something like that in your head? Or is it one big goal? Here's the process I need to do to get to it. And let's just get involved in that process and not worry about checking any boxes. Yeah, so I'm sort of notoriously bad at goal setting in general. Right, I'm, right. you know, my my <clears throat> weakness isn't that I don't goal set enough. Um, in fact, the only route I've ever trained for was mind control. That which eight, I think is kind of ironic that your hardest route is called mind control. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was mostly because of my shoulder because right. I was recovering from a shoulder operation and I was just super weak and I needed some kind of structured training to get back. Mm-hmm. I couldn't just go rock climbing. and uh, But that's literally the only time in my life where I've had a goal and I've worked towards it, which is pretty insane for a professional climber. Um, I've just kind of fallen into stuff, you know, and just gone with the flow of things. Yeah. Um, but I am trying to be better, especially since now I'm a coach. Um, I feel like I need to have more experience with that process of setting a goal and working towards it. Um, Do you find that once you get involved in the process of something that that becomes your goal? I mean, for instance, when you're on working on Golden Gate or whatever, Obviously, once you commit to getting up on the wall, you have that goal, right? I mean, that's what you want to do, so. Yeah, so like, well, you know, I've had this abstract goal of wanting to free LCAP since I was like a kid or whatever. Right. And I suppose I knew I was going to go to the valley. I wasn't quite sure what route I was going to do. And I knew I had to get fit for it. So I guess in some sense, but it, it wasn't very there was no structure. I literally just went sport climbing. Right. And my, it wasn't my, this concrete thing with no. checkboxes leading up to it. My aim was just to go climbing as much as I could. And for me, it's always just worked better because it's, again, going back to motivations, it's like, I'm going climbing today because I want to go climbing today right now. Not, I want to go climbing today because I want to do this route three months from now and I need to be fit for it. Right. Um, but I think what's good for me is that now I kind of, that's when my lifestyle was more back-to-back trips. Whereas now I sort of live in Chamonix for half the year. And so I have more options of what I can and can't do. I can go to the gym, I can go bouldering, I can go sport climbing, I can go alpine climbing. Right. And so it's not like I'm in Spain sport climbing. Yep. And so now I think my lifestyle fits better, this uh, slightly more goal-orientated mindset. And so... Yeah, maybe I would have mini goals for sure. But it would more be like, I'm going to try this route because it's similar to the big goal I've got in a few months and it will help me get fitter. But I won't be that concerned about achieving that goal as much, you know? Um, Yeah, you say you're bad at goal setting, but you've had this abstract goal of freeing El Cap for a long time and, and you kept it there and you dug so much into the process that you didn't even notice that that was a big goal anymore 
you know, but you stuck to it. I think that maybe that doesn't look like the traditional model of goal setting, but I mean, maybe it's a really good way to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I really do achieve less than <laughs> sort of <laughs> my my peers, you know, at the same level as me, um, uh, which, you know, I, I'm kind of just okay with. <laughs> but, you know, I wouldn't go looking to copy what I do if you're someone who wants to achieve stuff (laughs) what's something you fell into naturally it's your natural rhythm so yeah but I do think it's important that you're stepping out of that occasionally and trying to embrace and learn this other Mm -hmm. process of goal setting yeah totally and and you know I'm I'm not gonna become super stressed about achieving stuff but I definitely want to have a few more goals yeah. in the pipeline, I think. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Can yeah. we talk briefly? I don't know how much time you have. Is, what time do you have to be out of here? Like, we're good. Um, we've only gone half an hour, haven't we? So yep. I thought it would be like minimum an hour. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Okay, but, cool. um, I just didn't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're busy here. <laughs> gotta go climbing (laughs) yeah exactly um can we talk about the getting the senses involved i think that's i think that's a unique approach that that i could employ more some of it i've fallen into without even realizing i do it other parts i would like to try and implement and i think it's a really easy way to ground yourself Mm -hmm. in that moment Mm -hmm. um and you put it really simply so if we could Let's go through that. You talk about breath first. Yeah. Um, give me a little of that. Um, yeah, so, I don't know, maybe I'll just explain generally kind of yeah, the concept yeah. of connecting yep. to the senses. Do it. Um, so, the idea is basically that a lot of what distracts us in climbing is us, our brains wandering to some kind of like future state. Right. Um, and usually there's kind of worry attached to that. So it might be, oh, God, I'm going to fall. Or it might be, oh, shit, I'm going to fail on this project again. And I've been right, up we here create all times. this anxiety. Yeah, anxiety. And it's it's usually always about you're thinking about something that's not right now. Yep. Um, and if you kind of connect to your senses and, and fire them, then you're consciousness automatically comes back to the present moment which is where it needs to be for climbing yeah it's not like weird hippy dippy right random stuff it just makes sense it's like if you want to do a task where is your focus supposed to be is it with some worrying about some future state or is it right here with what this hold looks like how does it feel in your hand how is your shoes in your in your how your toes in your shoes, how big is that foothold, what's your body position, what's your balance, what's your breath. If you connect to all that, that's the feedback you need mm-hmm. to climb well. Um, so it just kind of makes sense. And there's kind of tricks that you can use to, to bring your consciousness back to that. So a lot of people will use breath, um, if even if they don't know it or not. Right. Um, you know, they might just you know, t- take a kind of 
pronounced out outward breath before mm-hmm. they commit to moving um and that kind of cleans the slate of the, those those negative thoughts and if you you find that if you really focus on something properly like your breath or how uh, your the hand feels on the hold really that's enough to fill your consciousness and so it wipes everything else away right so that's kind of like the general idea behind it um but yeah, more specifically, breath is a good one as well because they've kind of shown that if you control your breath, it's um, it fires the parasympathetic nervous system, which helps you relax as well. Right. Um, it's also the breath's interesting because it's something we can do automatically and it's also something we can, tr- can control. Mm-hmm. Um, so making alterations in that is, is kind of like a powerful way of, of connecting to your senses. Yeah, is there something that you feel when you when you think that you're breathing right and getting yourself into that space? Is there you know, is there something that you look for or notice? I think just just being aware of your breathing is hugely powerful and um it's really good for hard climbing as well because, you know, some movements you have to hold your breath. You can't really breathe through it. Sure. So getting the timing right for that is can be crucial, especially mm-hmm. for something like bouldering. So just being more aware of what's going on with your breath um, and kind of, yeah, just using it to get into the flow of climbing, but, but mostly just to kind of switch on the senses and switch off the excess thought that's not necessary. Yeah. Yeah, and I think all these things are really important because, like you said, it's not this hippy-dippy thing. It's, you know, our our bodies are completely 100% interconnected. You know, whatever, whatever senses, when we use our senses, it affects our bodies. You know, we've mm-hmm. seen it happen all the time. If we get scared, we tighten up, mm-hmm. you know. And, and yep. that's taking in something through your senses, whether it's something you hear or something you see. And our breathing changes immediately when we're scared of something or mm-hmm. when we're relaxed. So learning to control all these things, I think, is really important. Mm-hmm. The You also mentioned sight. And this was the one that surprised me that I remember a very specific moment on when I did my first 13A wasn't my third my first it was my second 13a and at a rest i remember hanging out at the rest and noticing a little off to the right there was this little tiny pocket that would be a perfect mono if if i liked pinky monos <laughs> it was absolutely perfect for my pinky and i would chalk up and put my pinky in it and you know i started noticing every little thing about this pocket and I had actually forgotten about that pocket until just last season. I went back up it just for the fun of it. And when I got to that rest, I saw that pocket again. And then I remembered how much time I spent fiddling with this little pocket while I hung out at the rest. And you talk about when you mention sight to that one of the techniques you can use is to zero in on something and notice mm-hmm. all the little details of it, you know, right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And I had totally forgotten that that happened until yeah. I read that. That's cool. Yeah. Maybe it's a kind of intuitive thing. Um, yeah, I like it. Um, it's just a, it's just a focusing technique. Like there's so many things going on 
that are mm. distracting for us. Yeah. And our eyes, when we're distracted, our eyes tend to dart around all over the place. And uh, that's kind of a manifestation of a wandering mind as well. You just like, and a stressed mind as well. People who are stressed, their eyes kind of dart all over the place. Right, right. But also, like, what are the things we need to be able to climb well? The, the two kind of senses that are really important are sensation. So just, you know, a sensation of balance or sensation of how the hold feels in your hands or whatever, but also sight. Mm-hmm. So if we can kind of <clears throat> channel that sense a little bit and focus it down, sharpen it before we set off into climbing, then our minds are just that much bit sharper for what mm-hmm. we're about to do. It's kind of like, you know, when tennis players really watch, like bounce the ball before they do the serve. Right, right. It's the exact same thing. It's a yeah. focusing technique. Yeah. Uh, it's not some just like some show-off thing they do on TV because right, it looks right. cool. <laughs> right, They're like really feeling the ball in the hand. They're watching how it bounces. They're zeroing in on the little like green like hairs on the ball. Right. And that's channeling their senses because they need to be the sharpest they can be for when that ball comes back in their face. Right. Yeah, that's that's really important. I'd never thought about that, you know, but you do see every tennis player bounce the ball before they serve. Yeah. So yeah, mm. really cool. Do you think there do you think there's validity in taking in you know, the bigger picture as far as sight goes, like looking around at where you're at? Um is that a way to focus or does it have to be on a small little space? Yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of this stuff is personal. Like Sometimes when I'm at a rest, one thing I really like to do is look out at the view behind me mm-hmm. um, and take it all in. And But I feel like that is more of an appreciation thing. It's like, why does it even matter if I get up this route? Because look where I am. I'm in this amazing place. I'm so lucky to be here. You just And you feel smaller. Right. It's like when we're climbing, it's just like getting to the top becomes this massive big picture. And that seems to be the all that matters. And then when if you actually look behind you and take in the view, you're just like, I'm this tiny human on this piece of rock. And I really am so insignificant. And I think that when you take that kind of gratitude in and that and it's kind of humbles you a bit. Mm -hmm. So it's a different it's a different thing, I think. But yeah, it's interesting because even though I find that zeroing in on one spot helps me focus, you don't want to have the narrow vision that people have when they're stressed and they climb and they don't notice what's around them. Sure, sure. I think so that's I guess, you know, it's kind of just being aware of both those things. But the idea is that if you zero on, in on the spot and you focus on your breath and you do all these techniques, that you shouldn't be stressed when you leave the rest. Mm-hmm. All of those things should help relax you. And if you're not stressed, you're likely to be more open to options, look around you. It's when you're in that stressed mindset of I need to send and I'm, or I'm scared or whatever it is that you tend to um, so have the blinkers on, tunnel, yeah. tunnel vision, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you mentioned sensation in there a few minutes ago. Let's talk a little bit about that. It's... You know, I, th- I think there are a lot of ways to say it, whether it's just awareness or, you know, I don't know. Um, I think sensation is a cool way to say it that I probably never would have come up with on my own. So tell me a little about how that 
how you focus on that, how you use that. So, yeah, it's just the same kind of technique as, um, you know, like when you focus on your breath, you're just focusing on the sensation of breathing, like how it feels to breathe in, how it feels for your belly to press against your harness. It's just, you're just becoming aware of a particular sensation in your body. Mm-hmm. And for climbing, we need to be aware of various sensations in our body. So like our fingertips are pretty key. We need to know, you know, exactly what this finger, the, these fingers feel like to know whether you can move off of it in a certain way. Right. And that doesn't mean focus on the pain necessarily. If, if a hold is really painful, that doesn't mean think about how bad it hurts. No. But, but maybe, you know, it needs to dig into your index fingertip in a certain way and and you get used to that sensation, yeah. right? And it's, it's really hard to describe this stuff because we're, we're describing all of this stuff using words. Sure. But when sure. it happens, it, it's not like the words, oh, I need my fingertip to be a little bit more to the right. Right, right. Go through my mind. It's, right. it's, it's, <laughs> it's instant feedback, right? Yeah. And that's what it is to be in flow. That's what it is to climb completely focused is that the feedback from the senses is instantaneous. Yeah. It, it doesn't go through the filter of the mind, which judges the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a rally car driver or whatever. He just reacts. Right. He doesn't go, oh, there's a bend turning coming ground in a few meters. I'm going to put the <laughs> right. brake on in a couple of seconds and I'm going to put it in like half pad. No, it's completely intuitive. Sure. And a lot of sports re- demand that of you because they happen quicker. Mm-hmm. The problem with climbing is that it's so slow. Right. There's so much time for thought and deliberation. And a lot of people find that when they need to react, they climb at their best. Yep. And that's why like speed climbing and doing these exercises where you climb continuously can be really fun to do because you realize that when you react, actually kind of amazing things can happen. Mm-hmm. And it's the deliberation that that causes the kind of throws it all off. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what I you know, that's what I do here. I like to dig into these nebulous, sort of hard to pin down mm-hmm. topics and, and talk about them. Um so I appreciate how well you can put it into words. I think you do a really good job of this. Um, the, when I was reading through these articles, when you, I have this very distinct memory of when you start talking about smell, that you mention that if your sense of smell is rubbish, <laughs> and and I love that you use the word rubbish. It cracks me up when I read it. Now, you use the word rubbish. It cracks me up when I read it. Now, now I want to use reason. it all the time. <laughs> so I've been looking forward to being able to say rubbish because my sense of smell is rubbish. And and you can use that sense as well. You can use smell and you can listen and use your hearing mm-hmm. as a way to pull yourself back in. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, I think... I think listening is a really big one for me personally. Um, and not in the sense that that I'm trying to hear everything that's going on. But for me, when I get into that state where I'm I'm really approaching or in flow or in the zone, as some people might call it, or whatever it is, everything 
quiets down except for the voices I want to be able to pick out. You know, I can I can hear my daughter mm. yelling my name. I can hear my fiance. I can hear certain partners and I don't mm-hmm. hear anyone else. Mm. And so for me, and I don't know if it's because I have a background in making music or mm. what it is, but that sense for me is probably the strongest while I'm climbing. You know, I definitely have moments where I can remember hearing my breathing while I'm climbing. Mm, That's the only thing I can hear, you know. So like you just said a few minutes ago, that this is all personal. Mm, Yeah. And I think that's really important. Like we don't, we don't necessarily have to incorporate all five of these senses into every climb that we try. You know, if we find something that really works for us, that's what we should stick with. Is that fair to say? Totally, yeah. And and making these things, you know, a lot of people, this stuff just doesn't gel with them. Sure. It sure. just, and, and they maybe have climbed a long time and they've got their methods that are either conscious or or subconscious or whatever it is. And, and, and all this stuff, they're just like, what a load of shit. And then just doesn't gel with them. Yeah. Um, but if it does gel with you, then I think just playing with all of them and seeing what works for you mm-hmm. and making them familiar because when you use this stuff quite a lot it becomes like a little ritual and it becomes um it's it's it kind of like an old friend or there's just like this kind of um comforting familiar familiarity to some of this stuff yeah Com- comforting to just like <sighs> and what that feels like in your body is is it's so personal to you. Mm-hmm. It's 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 your consciousness, and uh, I think it can be really powerful, and um, and really cool. And I think that yeah, just having fun with it. And like I hardly ever use the smell one. Sometimes right. if I'm just like bored, I'll just be like if it's somewhere that smells nice. <laughs> if I'm bored. I'll just you know yeah yeah. <laughs> Or whatever, or... Yeah, or, my um, smell's rubbish, so... Yeah, okay. You love saying that <laughs> word, didn't you? <laughs> or even, like, the sound one. If there's people at the crag, I tend to just not listen. Right. But if it's, like, nice birds tweeting or whatever, it's it's really nice just to, like, listen to the birds for a bit. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. Well, just recently I was talking with... I went down to the World Cup in Vail, Colorado, and I was talking to competitors about pressure and how they deal with mm. it. And one of the younger competitors, a girl named Lily Canavan, had some of the best advice that, you know, she likes to have a pre-climb routine Mm -hmm. before she steps onto a boulder to pull herself into that present moment. Do you have a routine? Is there something you like to do pre-climb? Yeah, I mean... Or when you get to a rest at a climb, do you have a routine? Is there... Yeah, the, the the rest, I definitely use all this stuff more on resting. And um, I'm actually being coached at the minute by uh, this guy called Cameron who works with the Flow Center, who's uh-huh. kind of doing all this research into flow and stuff. Yeah. And we came up with this ritual together. Um, but it's not working super well for me because um, I don't know about you, but you kind of just tend to chat to your belay a ton before you sit, sit on the rock. Right, and, right. Uh, 
so I'm kind of always forgetting to do the one where, but if it's like a big climb or whatever, yeah. I might. Um, so like, I do this thing where I just like really kind of like think about how I'm tying my knot, and um, and start kind of connecting to my breath whilst. I'm on the ground still. Mm -hmm. And then I also like to do this thing where um, I just feel what the chalk's like, mm -hmm. which is kind of useful too, because sometimes your chalk's a little bit damp or yeah. you need to get more <laughs> of it or whatever it is. Um, if, you're, if you're in that moment and your chalk is a little bit damp, does that ever throw you off? Does it, or how do you get over that if it doesn't feel right and you can't make it feel right? Well, this is something I do when I'm still on the ground. So if it's really bad, I could probably do something about it. Yeah, just um, let me borrow your chalk because my chalk is yeah, rubbish. Yeah, yeah, if you've got rubbish chalk, it's not good. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, yeah, stuff like that doesn't seem to affect me too much. Um, but yeah, the, the resting thing is is something I really like because I like doing this kind of challenging resting where what happens with climbing is you're like you're in flow you're in flow everything's you're like super focused and you get to a jug and then all of the negative of all the sounds rush back in everything yeah, yeah. yeah and you <clears throat> start to feel heavy and worried and you don't want to leave the rest yeah um so what I like to do is like apply the same level of focus to my climbing as to my on my rest mm -hmm. so you know like real active resting so how much weight is through my right toe right now right. how pumped is my right arm really focusing on getting my heart rate down like is my heart rate back to kind of a normal level you know just applying that same level of focus and then before I climb I'll employ some of those techniques so looking at that first hold really seeing what it looks like um, connecting to my breath, um, feeling what the chalk feels like in the chalk bag, you know, that kind of thing. And then click back on. It's like, it's like switching back into a high level of focus. Right. right. Um, and that seems to work pretty well. Yeah. yeah. And then well, once you leave that rest, you let the body climb again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I have a pre-climb ritual that, I never really thought of as a pre-climb ritual uh, until just recently since I've really been digging into this. But I really like to, and this obviously doesn't work if I'm on something multi-pitch, but I really like to take my harness off and put it back on. I like to be oh, cool. putting my harness on right before I tie in, right before I go. Oh, cool. It just feels like suiting up to me. Yeah, like, yeah. Like getting prepared. Yeah, you know? I like that. So I don't, if it's something difficult for me, I do it every time. You know, right. if I'm climbing with new people around, they look at me like I'm really strange. Like, you just took that off. You do you know? leave a gap in between? Do you like take off and sort of like... I don't have do to. Do a little like weird stretches or something. No, I don't have to. I can just take it off, step out of it, and then I can step right back in it and go into that mode. I don't yeah, know if cool. that was always the case. Maybe there yeah. was a time when there had to be a gap or there just was a gap that was there. I don't know. But now, just the act of pulling the harness on and buckling up and tying in, yeah, that cool. whole act gets me into the right mindset. I haven't yeah. found my routine for boulders yet. You know, yeah. boulders are a little Maybe harder you to me. Maybe you take your trousers off. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I mean, I'll try that. You never know. It could work. Are <laughs> <laughs> you chalk back? I suppose you don't really take chalk back bouldering a lot, do you? No. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's tougher for me. Bouldering seems a little more frantic, like a, a lot more. It's faster. Yeah. You know, so I have a harder time breathing and getting into that mode. I mean, you can just like look at the first holds of the boulder problem and go. <sighs> And then just like do it. Yeah, I have a friend, a local guy who's you know one of the stronger climbers around here, and he's very good at. He takes several deep and very forceful exhale breaths. Yeah. Before he steps on, and he can just explode the minute he's on the yeah, wall. Yeah. You know, he goes cool. from casual conversation to explode just yeah. like that. And I can't do that at all. <laughs> so I haven't been able to, but I'm I'm learning to. So, so yeah, I think that's. I, I like the idea of having a ritual, especially at a rest. I think that's yeah, that's cool, and I think a lot of people forget that 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 they can still be active while they're at mm. that rest. And if it's like a really easy rest, like you stood on a ledge or something, I probably just switch off and let my mind wander. Sure, and but cool. then switch it back on. Yeah, a lot of like you know when I've just recently been experimenting with meditation um, because I've heard so many successful people talk about using it. I wanted yeah. to see what it was all about. And that's something that I found really interesting about meditation is you don't try to keep your mind still. That's not what it's about. You just let your mind do what it's going to do, you know, and, and you become essentially at, at peace with that, letting it wander around, and then you can bring it back when you need it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think that's that's pretty big. You mentioned the flow state and working with the flow center. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Are there, you know, what can we do to better find that? Well, first off, what is the flow state? Mm -hmm. I, I know we could do a whole podcast on this, mm. but what is it and what can we do to help ourselves get into it? Are, are all these things helping you get there? Yeah, everything we've talked about um, helps you get into flow state for sure. And and really kind of being in flow is the end goal of mental training. Mm -hmm. Accessing flow more easily is the sure. end goal of mental training. Um, and, um, well, do you want me to just yeah. talk about what Yeah, tell me flow what is? it is. Yeah, so I mean, I think most athletes or kind of performers or musicians will, will know what flow state feels like mm -hmm. and at least know what it's like to not be in flow as well um yep. and i think there's degrees of flow but you know some people might say in the zone as well if, yep. if uh like you mentioned before and it's just kind of where everything's happening automatic and kind of you're just moving and there's nothing else going on in your consciousness so you're not thinking about your performance. Right. You're not thinking <clears throat> about failure or success. Um, and usually one of the defining features of flow state is when you come out of it, you have this sense of elation, which is what brings people back to things like climbing or racing or music yeah. or whatever it is. Totally. Um, and this sense of real escapism from our own minds that, you know, if you were like some sort of Zen meditation master, you can you can probably do just sat. But for us normal folk, it's nice to have something that that 
that gives us that because the the only other thing is sleep essentially right right. (laughs) um which doesn't work well if you're climbing (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so yeah there's tons of science now behind flow state It, it it used to be kind of this elusive concept and people couldn't really put their finger on it but everyone kind of agreed about it and um sigmund um chicks mahai no one can say his name yeah i'm pretty sure i got it wrong when i read it i can't even begin to say it yeah i know exactly who you're talking about Um, someone told me that a good way of remembering it is chicks get me high or something (laughs) yeah chicks chicks me high something like that Um, (laughs) so yeah he he actually did like his own kind of study but you wouldn't call it a scientific study he just went and interviewed tons of people around the world yeah and found that the thing that made people happy in whatever they did was kind of whether they were able to access this flow state or not. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's really, I, you mentioned that you find this state of elation afterward, and I had never thought about that, but this past season we spent in the Red River Gorge last fall, and my fiance had never reached that flow state she didn't know what it was like and she had Mm -hmm. a lot of anxiety when she was climbing and we spent a lot of time working through that and i've had arno on the podcast and arno's talked with her and you know we've we've worked through it and are still working through it but but there was one moment on a 12a that she did where where she clicked into it Mm -hmm. you know and then afterward she was so excited like I don't know what happened up there. I don't remember doing it. I don't remember getting through it. It just all happened. I was yeah. climbing so well. You know, she was yeah, so excited yeah. about it. And and that really was the moment where she decided, I want to get good at this. Yeah, like, this yeah. This is something I want to yeah. have happen more often. That's it right there. That's like, that's the life of climbing ahead yeah. of you. Just on yep. a, probably a three second moment. Yeah. But and, and And it's awesome because whether she did that climb or not, mm-hmm. she would have felt the same. Right. Totally. Yeah. So if she felt fallen off right after that, she would have been like, whatever, because mm-hmm. it would have been this awesome moment. So yeah, that's the cool thing about it. And But yeah, there's, <clears throat> there's tons of science now. They've And actually loads of the science is coming out of the US military. Um, because it's, a lot of science ends up coming out <laughs> yeah. of there. You know? Apparently we put a lot of money into that. Yeah. So. But it's awesome. I, I love this kind of like, you know the the shift of eastern concepts to west sure to the yeah. west yep. and our utter surprise when we when we like oh shit maybe there's something in this meditation right, right. stuff you know all these it's people have been rubbish. doing it for thousands of years and living peacefully happy lives but you know that's not <laughs> evidence but when we put the electrodes on their heads and we saw how well they right, could focus right. on their like business plan or whatever <clears throat> then then now it's worthwhile to us yeah it's pretty funny it really is um, but yeah, so, cause a lot of the, the stuff in the military, you know, getting pe- snipers to be in flow or sure. getting anyone in any kind of war situation, switching off that anxiety is just super effective. And they're also, there's loads of money in it now because the whole business realm is getting into this concept. You know, if you're a businessman in flow, the idea is that you can like work Monday, Tuesday and take the rest of the week off because you're that much more efficient with your time. Yep. So um, there's lots of interest in it right now and it's finally filtering into climbing. Yeah. Um, but it's it's absurd to me that 
you know, all of our professional athletes and competitors. I mean, I don't, I don't know enough competitors, but no one's talking about it. No one's training it. And, um, it's really weird because, you know, you talk to a baseball player and they have a on the hand mental training coach there the whole time. Um, and they're employing every trick in the book. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's, we're just so behind the times in climbing. We are, we are. And I think in part that's because it's, there's been no money in it for a long time. And, and there's been a resistance to treating it like a sport, you know, Mm -hmm. because it is a lifestyle and, and I appreciate that, but I can also appreciate the athletic part of it, you know, so. But it's interesting with the mental stuff because a lot of, I mean, it depends what approach you have, but so much of that is about simple enjoyment as well. Yeah, absolutely. And not about performance goals. Yeah. Um, but they lead to performance goals, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, I think yeah, that's totally. overall what we're talking yeah. about here. It's just part of the process. Yeah. So. And it's, um, yes, yeah, it is interesting to me because I feel like there is quite a bit of money now in, um, yep. in, in competitions and professional climbing there's enough and you know people say they have kind of someone who's you know studied a bit of psychology or something to coach them but there's no real uh, there's just there's just a not enough happening i don't think and and the culture isn't there for it i suppose yeah 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 well, i think it takes people like you to step up and start talking about it for that to happen so i'm I'm Mm. glad you're out there doing it i just hope that some people you know like the the physical coaches and and maybe the people more in that world because people still i think see me as like a lifestyle trad climber because i am to a large extent sure and so maybe they don't they're not they see me as someone who deals with like fall anxiety or something and same with arno maybe yep not this person is going to help me win this competition right. and this person is going to help me feel good at that competition or whatever yep. it is. And I did actually coach a comp climber a little bit last year and it was super fun. Um, so I just, I, I would like to see more people in that kind of world step up and, and yep. fill that space. Yep. Um, because people aren't really looking to me to, to do that or, or to Arno, I don't think. Right. Maybe they will soon, but... Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think it's I think it's shifting in that direction, and and I'm really happy to see it because I think we can all work together. You know, I started as just a physical coach, physical mm-hmm. trainer, but but I've always been interested in this side of it as well, mm-hmm. and and everything the the PT side, the strength side, the weightlifting. The I mean, I want to know a little bit about all of it, and that's why I reach out to people yeah. like you and to Arno to talk about these things because I want to know more and I want to give it to the people who are looking to me for how to make their fingers stronger. Yeah, totally. I mean, if you're going to be a a physical coach, you find this a lot in the normal world as well, because you find these people who are fitness coaches and life coaches. Right, right. Because a lot of the reasons why people can't just get fit themselves isn't because they're lacking. You know, all you have to do is go on the internet and get a training program. Right. Or just know that you should be going running three times a week and doing this, this, and this. But the what they lack is the motivation and the and they have a bunch of mental obstacles. Right. So tons of fitness coaches are actually just 
life coaches to some extent. And I, yep. fe- I feel like that's what's happening with you as well. Yeah, that's a lot of what we do. Uh, yeah. We joke about it all the time, but but frankly, it's a lot of what we do. And, and I enjoy doing it. You know, I think it's hugely yeah. important. You said a couple of things while we were talking that I really just want to highlight before we wrap this up. Yeah. You know, one, you, you've mentioned the word practice a couple of times that, that these are all things that you, you practice, mm-hmm. you know, and <clears throat> I assume to some degree you came about this because you were fairly good at it naturally, you know, that, that this is something you sort of fell into. And, and I think that can be misinterpreted that Hazel's just good at getting into the right mindset. You know, but I think if you look back at it, if you take a a look like Malcolm Gladwell would or any of these people would, you can see that you've spent a lot of time actually practicing it. Even if you didn't know that's what you were doing at the time and, and you are so good at it now because you've spent all this time practicing it. And I think that's super important to highlight that you can practice these things and that they're not going to happen overnight. You're not going to listen to this podcast, get on your project and be perfect at it. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I'm really glad you've said that because um, there's a few things going on there. And um, I was chatting to my friend Jen about this yesterday as well, is that it's difficult coaching people sometimes because um, people tend to think in black and white and they tend to have a fixed mindset. Yeah. So they'll say that I'm a scared climber or I, I'm, I'm not good at the, at the mental side of climbing. Right. They'll label themselves as such and then focus on what they're good at. Right. And this is it's super fixed and it, it's the most limiting thing you can ever do when you're climbing. And I've seen myself do it a little bit, you know, I'm not so good at bouldering. Right. But the thing is I still go bouldering to get better at it. But, you know, it's, it's, and they go, Hazel's good at that. Right. And, you know, like you're saying, it's like, no, actually, I think I'm kind of a normal person. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly have very normal, <sighs> like, fear threshold. Um, but I spent a lot of time in my youth putting myself in those situations and practicing being there. Right. And I didn't necessarily have these techniques or these skills, but I still practiced it. Um, and I thought a lot about it and I observed right. a lot of people. And you struggled and, through it. And I struggled, yeah. yeah. And the idea is that we all always adopt a growth mindset about everything. You can always be better. Yeah. You can always put energy into practice and you just trust in that practice and one day you'll reap the rewards. But the rewards are secondary. Yep. It's the practice that brings all of the joy and the growth and the learning. Yep. Um, but as soon as you have a fixed mindset, you just, you may as well just not step off the ground. It's it's just kind of a lost cause, basically. Like, you'll never get braver at climbing if you label yourself as a scaredy cat and do nothing about it. Yeah, yeah, I totally 100% agree. And you said earlier that you're you're still on the path. You're still on the journey. Yeah. You know, and I think that's important for people to realize that that this thing is a long term journey. It's not it's not a quick fix. This is this is a you know, the, one of the basic building blocks of becoming a better climber and also enjoying climbing more and having more fun and 
and you're still on that path, even though you're coaching people, even though I'm coaching people, we both are very aware that we're still on the path. You yeah, know? totally. I think that's an important thing to highlight that that it's you're always going to be there. The the yeah, masters it ne- it are still never on ends. the path. You know, the, all this learning never ends. Right. Um. But there's there's like that's amazing because you'll never be bored climbing. Right. Even when you your fingers aren't getting stronger anymore, they're just getting weaker. Mm-hmm. You can still learn in climbing, and you yep. can still get better at some things, and that should be a hugely motivating and inspiring thing for anyone in the sport. And um, and yeah, and, and and the path goes up and down as well. It's yep. you're definitely just not getting better. Like if I'm not doing any bold climbing and I'm sport climbing a bunch, I become a complete scaredy cat on when I go back to Chad. Sure. So you know it's it's yeah, not a linear thing either. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm um, glad you said that. I've I've been struggling with that exact thing myself a little bit in that I used to be I used to trad climb a lot more than I sport climbed or bouldered and and then everything shifted over to sport climbing and bouldering. And when I was trad climbing a lot, I was mentally really good at it. I mm-hmm. very rarely got scared. When I did get scared, it was for a reason and I had ways to talk myself through those situations if it made sense to move through the situation. And I felt like I was in a really good place. And now when I go back to track climbing, it's scary as hell. Yeah, yeah. And I know that I have to work my way back through that. Mm-hmm. So you can you can be really you can be in a really great place with something and then if you don't continue to practice it, you're gonna have to start from a lower spot and that's totally, totally. okay. Yeah. yeah. I think it's really <clears throat> good sometimes for people to use the same thinking that they use for their physical training and apply it to their mental training. Yeah, I agree. So, for example, um, you would never train your fingers and then expect your fingers to be strong for years without continuing up your fingerboarding. Yep. Equally, you can train your mind, but if you don't continue that practice, you'll get weak again, just like your muscles do. Yep. Equally, like if you train too hard, you'll break them. Same with the mind. If you if you push too hard and you go out taking like epic trad whippers when you've never really fallen at all before, <laughs> right. you'll break your mind. Right. Um. And the 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 other analogy I really like is if you read about fingerboarding, your fingers aren't going to get stronger. Right. Equally, if you just read about mental training, right. your mind doesn't get stronger. Yep. You have to put your mind in that place where it gets stronger and train it. Versus people think because it's in the mind, it's intellectual, and it doesn't work like that. Yeah, that's really um, important. No matter how much you just talk about it, you still have to go there. You still yeah. have to struggle a little bit. And, yeah, totally. And, practice yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah so i i really appreciate you taking the time out to sit down and have this conversation because i know these can be nebulous and you know it's hard to pin this stuff down and and put it away that people will listen to it um but i think you do a great job at that so cool thanks a lot no it's been an interesting conversation yeah thanks for inviting me how can uh how can people find you online um instagram is hazel underscore findlay and facebook's just my name and um i have a website as well just google my name and you'll find it so okay and they can reach out to you for coaching through there 
Totally, yeah. Yeah, they can email me about coaching. And um, I also have a little Facebook page as well for this kind of related stuff called Mindful Climbing, um, where I, I'm not super good at maintaining it, but there's some interesting stuff on there. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate it, Hazel. Thanks. Cool. Thanks a lot. You know, these ideas of flow and mental mastery are tough to completely digest sometimes, but Hazel's able to make it relatable and easy to follow, and I think that's really the hallmark of a, of a great coach. Um, so thanks again to Hazel for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. I know she was busy while she was here in Lander for the International Climbers Festival, and um, it was just a really fun conversation to me, so I appreciate it. And after she mentioned the book, The Inner Game of Tennis, in the beginning of our conversation, you know, I asked her for a recommended reading list. And this month I'm giving that reading list to our patrons, uh, along with a, a bonus episode from fan favorite Steve Bechtel. And if you aren't a patron already, you can join us at patreon.com slash Podcast. And for as little as a dollar a month, you'll get bonus episodes of the new We Scream Like Eagles podcast. And there are some rewards there depending on how much you're giving per month as well. So we hope to see you guys over there. And you can also see both Steve Bechtel and I in Salt Lake uh, on October 27th through the 29th. We'll be doing the Performance Climbing Coach Seminar together, along with Neely Quinn, Tyler Nelson, Charlie Manganello. Um, so check that out at climbstrong.com and sign up now. Bozeman, Montana, I will see you guys in November. And if you have not yet, check out our process journals and our new applied body tension ebook. Between the two of them, they might be the most efficient way to ensure results from your climbing practice. And, and I'm not saying that lightly. I think it's true. Uh, go find Hazel on the internets, hazelfinley.com. Check out her Facebook group. Uh, reach out to her for coaching if you need it. She's pretty great, and, and I imagine you'll see great results working with her. And you know where to find us, powercompanyclimbing.com, at Power Company Climbing on the Facebooks, the Pinterest, the Instagrams, but never, 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 ever on the Twitters because... We don't tweet, we scream like eagles. Perfect. <laughs> this time, 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 this time,